This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Good morning. Isn't this a beautiful day? Okay, it's raining just a little bit, but it's still a beautiful, fantastic day. It really is. It's a day the Lord has made for us. Let's see here. Um, We started last week talking about, you know, some resurrection power as we celebrated Easter and the resurrection of our Savior from the dead. And I want to talk about the power to change. And um, if we could, I want to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer it out loud. Okay? If, If you could change one thing in your life, and probably everybody would like to change something, right? If you could change one thing in your life, now don't answer it out loud. So if you could change one thing in your life, and and don't answer it out loud. You know why I'm telling you that, right? Yeah, because there's a tendency that somebody's not paying attention, and I ask a question, and they'll blurt it out. So I'm saying, just don't answer it out loud. If you could change one thing in your life, what would it be? You're awesome. And I'm sure anybody downstairs, you're awesome too, you know. But are there things in our lives that we would like to change? I think that there are. You know, and if you think about that, you know, uh, some people get kind of defeated because they've tried and they were unsuccessful at that. So I want to talk about this power to change right now. Um, Imagine for just a moment if five men were sitting under a shade tree Think about this. And four of these guys, they're just hanging out together, you know. And four of these guys decide to go home to mow the grass. All right, there's five men under the shade tree. Four decide to go home and mow their grass. How many guys are left under the shade tree? How many? No. Five. How many of you have decided to change your diet? How many have decided you're going to start going to the gym? How many of you decided you're not going to use certain vocabulary anymore, you know? Has it always become a reality? No. So there are five men still under the same tree, you know? They decided to do something, but they actually didn't go and change as of yet. So I'm not being critical. I'm just being honest, okay? So, you know, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the most powerful event that has ever taken place in all of the universe, regardless of what has happened out in the rest of the solar system or atomic energy. There is no more powerful event has ever happened other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and all that it entailed to make that happen. Um, so think about power for just a moment, resurrection power, and think about the book of power. 
You know what the book of power is, right? There's a lot of books that have uh, information in them, you know, but this is the book that has transformation. It has power. Listen to what it says here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. And this is the only book that has that power in it. It's God's word that, that just doesn't give information, but it brings about power and transformation. And it can change us genuinely. It can. So it says here in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and powerful. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one... My little page here. He is the one to whom we are accountable. Verse 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because there are winds and there are waves that try to blow us off course. Are they not? You know, it's just trying to blow us off course. And, and we end up with what we would call mission drift. You know, we're no longer on the same course that we were. So the scripture says here in verse 14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly. Let us hold firmly. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings and, and temptations you know, that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And most translations here says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, we need to understand that word. Because a lot of people think, well, I don't want to go to the throne of God. Because they see it and they picture it as a, a place of judgment. I don't want to stand before God. I, I don't want to look at God. I want to stay as far away. I want to stay in the back of the row as, as much as possible because they see it as a place of judgment because we've not done the things that we ought to do. But we need to understand what the scripture says here in verse 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And the word grace is talking about uh, unmerited favor, but it's talking about God's enabling power is what he's talking about. And God is very, very loving and kind to us. He's not wanting to just judge. Once again, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. Now, mercy is we'll not get the judgment that we deserve. You know, we're not going to give, you know, you're not asking, well, give me what I deserve, Lord. No. You know, if you're driving down the highway, you know, 115 miles an hour, you know, highway patrolman pulls you over. He says, do you know how fast you're driving? Yes, sir. 115 miles an hour, you know. Well, you probably wouldn't say that, but, and, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's a 35 mile an hour zone, you know, so. You're going to say, well, well, just give me justice. What's justice? He'd take you straight to jail, throw you into jail, throw away the key, right? Driving that fast in such a, a zone. 
You don't want justice. You want what? Don't give me what I deserve. <laughs> you know, show me mercy, you know. And mercy is not getting what we deserve. And that's a beautiful thing. And when we read this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace. Grace is his enabling, God's enabling power. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. And uh, mercy and grace is, is a coin. And on one side, there's mercy, and the other side is grace. On one side is not getting what you don't deserve. I mean, not getting what you do deserve. You know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. The other side is getting all the good that you don't deserve. The blessings of Almighty God. I mean, both, both sides of the coin are fantastic and are wonderful. Mercy and grace. Now, we all do struggle at times. We want to change certain areas of our life. I've not really met anybody who didn't want to change something in their life, but in reality, they lack the power to do it. You know, they've tried and they've attempted and, and they've failed over and over again. Have you ever, uh, you ever read a self-help book or, or at least bought one? You know what I'm talking about? Self-help books, you know? Well, you think about it for just a moment, you know? A lot of people want to do that because they, they feel this urge to change some area of their, their life, and, and that's the best they know how to do. And I just wrote down a list of some things I could think of, how to lose weight, right? How to break a bad habit, how to be successful, how to fulfill your dreams, how to have a happy marriage, how to remove clutter. That was a recent one we had a class here on, you know. It didn't work. Uh, no, actually, we are getting better at it. You know, I'm probably the clutterer, and Susan just comes along chasing after her little boy who's making a mess and trying to clean up behind me, you know. But the, the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. The, the, the problem with a self-help book is it tells you what to do, but it doesn't give you the power to get her done. You know what I'm saying? We want to change. We know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't have the power to do it. And, and that's where we all end up a lot of times. You know, the, the doctor said to his patient, you're in very bad shape, terrible shape as a matter of fact, and you've got to do something about it. First, I would recommend that you tell your wife she must cook more nutritious meals if you want to, to be healthier and all. And you've got to stop working so hard like a dog all the time. And also inform your wife that you're going to have to make a budget and she has to stick to it to alleviate a lot of the stress that you have due to your finances and all. And, and have her to keep the kids off your back so you can relax unless they're there are some changes like this that take place in your life. You'll probably be dead in a month. What news is that, man? Wow. <laughs> Doc, the patient said, this would sound more official coming from you. Could you please call my wife and give her those instructions? You know. <laughs> so when the fellow got home, his wife rushed to him weeping. I talked to the doctor. She said, 
poor man, you're going to die, you know. <laughs> well, you know, some folks don't believe that they can change no matter what is at stake. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever tried to change something? And you tried and you tried and you tried, but you just come up short. You just can't quite get it done because we lack the power to bring about the change, you know. So where can we get this change? Well, that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. And let us look, if we could, to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I'd ask the question, why would this brilliant intellectual man here, uh, Paul, say such a thing? It says in Philippians 3, verse 8, it says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite, you know, talking about immeasurable value. This, this priceless gain, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have discarded, I've, I've thrown away everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Hmm. Verse 9 says, and become one, become united with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, my own goodness. You can't count on your good outweighing the bad and all. He says, and, and uh, I can't, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, you know, because I fail. I fall short. I can't change me. Can you identify with that just a wee bit, you know? I really can't change me. There's some things I want to, but... I just can't get her done. Rather, I become righteous, not by my own righteousness, but I become righteous through, what's that word? Faith in Christ. Y'all are on the right passage there? Yes? I'm on verse 9. Anyhow, I'll read it again. And I'm reading the first one here. Are we in the same place or no? Okay, I'll read it again. Verse 9, and become one, talking about being united, with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith. Righteous through faith. Not by my works alone, by good works, but I become righteous by faith. I believe that he did it all. I believe that Jesus did what was necessary to get done. I believe he paid in full. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. On faith. You got to believe what God says. You got to believe it. Now, listen to what it says here, and we'll come right back here, but what it says in Hebrews eleven six 6, in the Message Bible, it says, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. Works alone will not please God. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he, God exists, and number two, that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him, most translations of the Bible say. He exists, 
and that he rewards us. He responds to those who sincerely, who diligently seek him. Uh, popping back over to Philippians chapter 3, picking up in, in verse 10, it says, I want to know about Christ. And are you all at verse 10? Okay, well, you got to wait, because this ain't going to work unless you see it. So let me know when you, you got it there. You know, patience is very, very important when it comes to faith. Excuse me? All right, we're patient people, you know. Don't throw nobody off of this up there. Nothing like that. All right, let me start over. Verse 10, I want to know about Christ. Are y'all agreeing or disagreeing? I want to know about Christ. That's not what it says? Is there a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing them? How many of you know about Abraham Lincoln? How many of you know him personally? There's a big difference, is it not? It is. And the apostle said, I want to know Christ and hear about the mighty power Excuse me? I don't want to just hear about it. Is there a difference between hearing about something and experiencing something yourself? And the apostle said, I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to experience that resurrection power. And I am telling you that resurrection power is available to each and every one of us. Not just on Easter, but that resurrection power has been made available to each and every one of us. He says, I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. No longer do I want to be a spectator, but I want to be a participator. <laughs> what kind of tater do you want to be? Do you want to be a participator? or a spectator. Oh, we watch sports, we watch f football, you may watch ice skating, you may watch basketball, you may watch cars race around a track, you know. Uh, there's all kinds of things that we are spectators. But I'm telling you, when it comes between you and, and Jesus, we ought not to be a spectator. The Apostle Paul says, I want to know. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the power that raised him from the dead. Have you ever seen the Olympics? Years ago, the guy who uh, way, way, way back, his name was Mark Spitz, and he did the uh, swimming. He was phenomenal. And now we got another guy who more recently uh, was in the limelight with swimming. Uh, his name was Phelps. Well, you know what? What I'm talking about here is that I don't want to just be a spectator anymore. I want to experience swimming myself. I don't want to just watch other people fly an airplane. I want to experience flying myself. Does that make sense? I want to experience chocolate. I want to watch other people eat chocolate. I want to experience it for myself. 
You know, that's getting close to lunchtime, too. You know, think about it. I want to experience music. I want to sing it. I want to play it. I want to experience it. I don't only want to just be a spectator. I want to be a participator. I really do. I, I, I want to experience glasses because I actually need them. Hey, guys, y'all here. That's wonderful. But you know something? I, mean, I want to experience hearing aids too one day. My wife, she hears me say, and I'm not exaggerating when I'm telling you this either. She, she hears me say probably a hundred times a day, huh? What'd you say? As a kid, all the firecrackers I shot and chainsaws I used and guns I shot and all, and we didn't know about hearing protection back in those days. What'd you say? I want to experience a hearing aid. I want to just watch other people go, oh, wow, this is working wonderful. You know what I'm saying? I want to be a participator in these things. I want to experience being a husband. I want to experience being a dad. Is there a difference between spectators and participators? Absolutely. And that's what Paul was saying. I don't want to spectate. I want to know Christ Jesus. I want to experience that same power that raised him from the dead. That's why Paul was willing to discard everything and considered it, as he said, worthless. He considered it garbage that he might know Christ, you know, and experience that, that wonderful power. And the truth of it is, the better you get to know Jesus, the more power is available to you to change your life. Or as you're praying for other people, to help other people experience that for themselves and change things. Have you ever seen change take place in someone's life? It's usually related to what Jesus does. He specializes in that. He really does. Now I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 7, again, out of the Amplified Bible. Listen to what it says. But whatever former things were gained to me, as I thought them, these things once regarded as an advancement in merit, I have come to consider a loss. I used to consider this an advancement. This was really good for me. He says, but I've come to consider... Now, as a loss, absolutely, what's it say? Worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. See, every one of you who are on this planet right now, God has a purpose for your life. Every one of you, you guys watching online, up in the balcony, downstairs, you have a purpose. God created a purpose for you. He genuinely does. And we can, we can fly... We can fly coach when God has already provided for you to fly first class. And he wants something spectacular in your life, I'm just telling you. So we see, you know, that things have a tendency to change. He says in verse 8, but more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else that I get that comes between me and knowing Christ is my loss. Only one more time, verse 8. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply 
growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. You can grow more deeply. You can get more thoroughly acquainted with Jesus if you want to. And then he goes to say, a joy unequaled. And no matter what joys you have experienced in this life, as great as they may be, they don't come near the joy of knowing Christ as you can know him and experiencing that resurrection power in your life to help you and to change you and so you can fulfill his purpose and that you can help facilitate change in other people's lives. There's nothing quite like it in the whole wide world. So uh, I'm going to read that verse one more time, verse 8. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled, for his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage. Hmm. Let's see, I, I, I forgot something to say. I was going to put this in my bag, but I felt I might make a mess with it. So. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Do I have everything? I think I got it all. Okay. So, <clears throat> this verse 8, I want to read it to you once again out of the Message Bible. And it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, in the message, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8, in the message it says, Everything I once thought I had going for me is, do you all have that verse up there? Insignificant. Insignificant. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's insignificant. It, it really don't matter anymore. It's not what I thought it was. It's the stuff that ends up in the tag sale, you know, kind of a thing. It really don't mount to a hill of beans anymore. He says, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. You understand what that is, don't you? Not everybody does. Well, then, okay. Yes. I gathered this myself. I have a dog. This is not. People debated with me. Now, you got to hang on here, guys. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Okay, so don't get it. I'm just reading the Bible. Just show and tell. You know what I'm saying? So, this right here, this is not fake. Oh, as a matter of fact, I need a volunteer to verify that this is a real thing. Anybody want to do the smell test? Okay. I know some of you are saying, I cannot believe you do this. You know, tweak it. Sit it on Facebook. Tell everybody about it, okay? Seriously, I think it would be awesome to do that. I'm just learning about that stuff myself. Anyhow, what does it say? Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It, it, it's equal to dog dung. That's what he said. 
the, the diplomas that I have on my walls, the, the stuff I have throughout my home, what I have accumulated in my accounts, that's what he's saying. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. And I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Is there anything holding you back from embracing more of Christ? Is there anything that stands between you and getting more Jesus in your life? So, well, I know the Bible says I shouldn't do this, that, and another, but I kind of like doing this, you know, that and another, and, and I know I can't get as close to Christ as I really want to because of that thing. You know, now you just imagine that thing that you're clinging to. You're just clinging to it. Does anybody want a hug right now? Oh, you wanted a hug. Okay. But the Bible says that stuff that's insignificant, that it is dog dung, I wanted you to understand in reality what we think is, oh, wow, this is wonderful. Oh, this is precious. And God says, that stinks. Does this, does this make sense? I mean, I can open the jar if I need to. <laughs> but anything that holds me back from embracing more of Christ or from him embracing me, it, is, it is, should be insignificant to me. It should be the equivalent of garbage, and I can willingly get rid of it. If it's between me and God holding us back from each other, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how pretty it might have been. I don't care what it cost. The Bible says it's dog dung. If it's standing between you and knowing Christ better. And you've got to understand, his ways are higher than ours. And we choose, I'm going to do my own way. And we've got to understand the thing that we cling to to do our own way. I'm going to just do it my own way. This represents it right here. Let me read one time, we'll move on. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Verse 9 says, so that I may gain Christ uh, and may be found in him and may be found are y'all with me here on verse 9 no and may be found in him that in him means in relationship with him believing and relying on him not having any righteousness not having any good works of my own derived from my obedience to the law and its rituals Sometimes, well, I keep the law, I do all the rituals, and I'll do all the traditions, and I, I jump through all those little hoops. Yeah, that's empty, it's hollow, it's shallow. Oh, we're, we're talking about having rules and regulations instead of a relationship with Almighty God himself. And he says, um, let me back up here. He says, not having any righteousness of my own 
derived from my own obedience to the law and its rituals, but possessing that genuine righteousness. Righteousness means right standing. It means a right relationship with Almighty God. It means that things are okay between us. We got a good relationship, and it's not based upon rituals and, and, and all those kinds of things. God's not impressed with rituals. You know, he thinks that rituals and tradition stinks. That's what he thinks. When we take those things instead of relationship with him. And he says, uh, by possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through, I don't know if y'all are still there or not, comes through, comes through what? Faith. Faith in Christ. Faith that his work on the cross was more than adequate to pay for my sins. Faith that whatever needed to be done, Jesus did it so I could enter into a relationship with him. Faith, it means I'm just going to believe what he says and, and be, you know, believe it enough just to act upon what he says do. Not just take off and doing my own good works and thinking that's going to amount to something or it's going to measure up because it surely won't. And it says, which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on, on the basis of faith. And, and see, uh, righteousness, right, right standing with God. The word righteousness uh, produces in believers. It produces the ability to stand in the very presence of the almighty God without a sense of guilt or condemnation or shame as if sin never existed. When you have belief and you've received his righteousness, not your own. I mean, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says, you know. But his righteousness, when I believed and I received it, I can stand before him without feeling guilty anymore. The devil wants you to feel guilty, not God. God forgives us and he cleanses us. That's why Jesus died and why he rose again. And we need to access his righteousness by faith and know that I am forgiven. And when you know that you're forgiven, then you can go boldly to the throne of almighty God. You can go boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that he loves you. And he's crazy about you. And no longer feeling like, well, my prayer wasn't answered. It's probably because something bad I did. And we need to understand the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Well, that, that has to become a reality to us. And he says here, if I can find where I'm at now here. Verse 10. Yes, verse 10. This is in uh, Philippians. You're right. Chapter 3, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. It says, and this... So that I may know him. What's that next word? Experientially. That means to be a participator and not just a spectator. Now, I did that on purpose. Usually I say words like that because I can't help myself, but I did that one on purpose. Because I want you to ask yourself what kind of tater you are and remind you I'm a spectator or a participator, you know. Oh, whatever that tater was, you know. And it says, And this, so I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly, and this is a progressive kind of a thing, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, you know, getting to know Jesus better and better and better every day, 
getting uh, more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person. You know, now, the wonders of his person, Jesus, created you in the very beginning. He is a creator. He created you, believe it or not, then he came to earth because of our sin to rescue us. Because he's crazy about us, he loves us. He is a creator. And the scriptures tells us that Jesus also is a savior. And we're talking about here becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him and understanding the remarkable wonders of his person as a creator, as a, as a savior, as, as Lord, as king, as his healer and provider and, and shepherd and as our peace and as our friend. And, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. Becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, by getting to know him better, and in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection. And that's the power that changes things, and that's the power that changes me. And it's the power that changes you. And we know there's areas of our life where we would like to change, but we just have lacked the power to get her done to be honest with you. And he says here, that's the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in active believers. Wow. The power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active. Where is his power active? Believers. His power overflows and is active in the men, in the women, in the boys and girls who believe in him. And will access resurrection power by faith, by believing what he says is true. Are you a believer? That makes a difference. You say, well, I'm, I'm a doubter. Well, you won't experience that resurrection power like you could. And it is available to you. I'm telling you, I'm talking about like, what spinach does for Popeye, you know? Uh, God's Word and His Holy Spirit does for you as a believer. And that resurrection power flows into you, helps you to change, and helps you to facilitate change in those who are desperately crying out for help and, and needing it, you know. That's what I'm talking about here. And he says, so this, this power of the resurrection which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed or changed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did. How did he die? What did he die on? A cross. A cross. Well, I don't know if I want to know him well enough to die. If what he's talking about is not physical death. He died on a cross. And he says, he's talking about that we die the same way he died. He died on a cross. And you'll read throughout the, the New Testament. And, and we hear the gospel say, take up your cross and follow him. And, and, and then it was explained. It said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. See, when we take up our cross and deny ourselves, hey, parents know about this. Parents have denied themselves lots of things for, on behalf of their children, have they not? How many mamas didn't get a new dress so their daughter could get one? How many moms and dads have made all kinds of sacrifices so their kids w would be blessed in some areas? You know, we understand, you know, denying ourselves for a cause, but it says to be more and more and more like Jesus, 
we will deny our own self as we take up the cross. We die to ourself and, and, and we deny ourselves and we follow Jesus. And you're becoming more and more like Jesus, you see. And uh, the more and more we become like Jesus, the more and more of his power flows to us and flows through us. That's just the truth of it. It's just the way it is. Oh, I mean, I have so much I want to tell you, but I just can't get to all that right now. Yeah, I've got too many notes. That's my problem. It's like, it's, uh, well, I will tell you this. God's power is here to change you right now. I do know that because we've been looking at his word. You're here, I believe, because you want to get closer to Jesus. You want to know him more. We just got through talking about what happened last week as we celebrated the resurrection, about that resurrection power. It is available to us all, you know. The, the resurrection power to change things. Listen to what it says here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'll be done shortly. It says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled. You see that? He canceled, blotted out, erased. You understand erased? I don't know if you've ever seen these before. This is Mr. Clean version. You ever heard of magic erasers? Now, I, I, I'll put you to a test. You bring your favorite little squirt bottle and your little, you know, paper towel, and you squirt it on that dirt on the wall or wherever you see it at. You scrub it, scrub it, scrub it, scrub it, scrub. And didn't quite get it all off. But you take this little magic eraser and you go, <gasps> what happened? How many of you ever used one of these? Are they good? Absolutely. But they're not near as good as Jesus. But they're good, but not near as good as Jesus. Uh, listen to what the scripture says here. Verse 14. He canceled. He blotted out a race. Pardoned, obliterated, eradicated, annihilated, eliminated, destroyed the record that contained the charges against you. He got rid of the charges against you. Where the devil would try to bring up your past, you know, and say, well, you did that God's not going to help you. God's not going to answer you. You can't go. And it says, he says, his word. He canceled it out. The, then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave how many? All our sins. And he canceled the record that contained the charges against us. There is no more charges on file anywhere when you've received Christ Jesus as your Savior and you're walking in close relationship with him. You are forgiven. All those sins are canceled out. The record that contained the charges against you, he canceled them. 
You've got an empty slate. You're, you're clean. Do y'all remember this game? Used to be out when we were kids. Anyhow, it's called Etch-a-Sketch. It's this little red thing, a square. It's got a gray, gray kind of screen on it. Looks like a computer, but it ain't a computer. And you got two little knobs there, and you can draw all kinds of things there. You mess it up, you just turn it over and shake it. And what happens? It's gone, and you can never retrieve it, even if you wanted to. Now, I'm going to tell you, here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, this is what we would call God's etch-a-sketch verse. He canceled the record that contained the charges against you. He erased the record. It's gone. That's what he says. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and he destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Christ has made full payment for you and for me. And what we're reading right now, this is some good news that you can use. A lot of news that we watch is not relevant to us. It's just entertaining, but this is news you can use where he's canceled your sins. It enables us to come boldly to the throne of God's grace and obtain mercy and grace to help us when we need it, like right now. And it builds our faith when we know how God thinks about us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, those, and it's talking about anybody, those who become Christians, and that's talking about entering into a relationship with him. Those who become Christian become new persons. There's been a change. Those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, Jesus did not come here in regards to your sin to rub it in. Jesus came here on behalf of your sins to rub it out, to forgive you and cleanse you. And that changes the way you come to God, not as some tyrant who's looking to hurt you, but as a father who loves you. Jesus gave his life where he's crazy about you. Okay, Ready to wrap it up. Would you like more of Jesus in your life? Yes. Yes. Would you like more of his resurrection power starting today in your life? Yes. All we have to do is just one word. It's called surrender. Genuine surrender. Now you want to be full? You want to be full of God and full of his power? But you know what? Things are not always the way they seem. Everybody says, well, you're already full. But the truth of it is, that wasn't near as full as we thought it was, now was it? Because there was something else taking up space in that cup that could have contained more milk, right? Preaching is just dirty work, I tell you. And you know what I did do? I don't usually do. I usually use my shirt or my hair, but I actually brought paper towels. That's amazing, isn't it? So you want to be full of Jesus Christ. You want to be full of his spirit, full of his 
word that's alive and powerful. You want to be full of his resurrection power. And to everybody else, you seem to be full. But there just might be something in there that nobody else knows about. Your dearest and closest friend that's occupying space inside of you. And if the truth was to be made known, that which is there taking up space probably stinks. Because it's preventing you from having more of Christ. It's preventing you from being embraced more by Christ. It's preventing you from having more of his power in you because there's something inside of you taking up space where Christ wants to be and where he wants his power to be in you. So I want to challenge you right now. We're going to pray. Would you go to God and would you yield yourself and surrender and say, Lord, there's some things I know is not pleasing to you in me and I surrender. Would you take it out of me? And there's some things that's in me that's just rock hard and there's no life in it. There's some things in me that just really stinks and I can't get rid of it. But Jesus can. He can reach down into your life. Things that you believe are strongholds that you will never be free of. And he'll reach down inside there and he'll change what you think cannot be changed. I'm talking about that's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It seemed impossible to everybody, but it raised him from the dead. It's the same spirit that wants to be in your life. Wants to fill you up until you overflow. And he'll reach deep down inside there and he'll take out that thing. He'll take out those things that are occupying space in your life. He'll fill you with more of himself. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the promises. They sound too good to be true, but we know they are true. That you love us. And Father, I ask that you would set my brothers and sisters free here in this room and those who are listening to this message wherever they may be that you'd set them free lord we release these hard things that we've held on to occupying space in our heart and our mind and our life we release our grip on those things and we ask you to take them from us lord we ask that you would take all these other things that seem to be so important to us one time. But you said they're like garbage. You're like dog dung. And we ask that you take those things from us and clean us out on the inside, Father, that we have more room for your son Jesus, more room for your Holy Spirit to fill us up, more room for your word. We ask you for a miracle. Don't let us leave this building today unchanged. Change us, almighty God, in our heart and in our mind. Break the stronghold that has bound us and set us free. As our heads are bowed, I want you to pray a prayer to reaffirm your faith and declare some other truths. And those who may not know Christ, would you pray with me as well 
and make a declaration of your faith in Christ today for the first time. But could we pray today and, and know that Almighty God is going to change us? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. Caused you to send your own son. And he gave his life to rescue me from sin. Forgive me for clinging to sin. When he gave his life to free me from it. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He took the fall. He took my bullet to rescue me. And then he rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus inside to change me from head to toe. To change me that I'll become more like him. Lord, fill me with that resurrection power. Fill me with your word. Change me. I surrender. And I welcome you into my life. And take all the hard stuff and all the stinking stuff out of my life. And I declare that Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my king, and he is my friend. In Jesus' name.